But into this silence, there's going to come a word. A word that will break open for all eternity. That silence. Woman, why are you weeping? Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Mary. They, the disciples, had actually in many sense thought that they would never ever hear him again. But after the sounds of fury, the sound of silence, come the sounds of life, the sounds of the risen Jesus. But for two disciples, it was all too much. They were going to Emmaus. They'd set off. They were wanting to leave behind all those sounds of fury. What had started off for them for with dreams and hopes and expectations now had just gone to nothing. It was for them a tale signifying nothing. But I'm struck as we read this account of this amazing uh, encounter with Jesus, with these two, two disciples, is that how these people and, and other disciples as well, in their uncertain aspects or their uncertainty about the future, they are moved from being Saturday people to becoming Sunday people. From being joyless to being joyful, to being from discouraged to being encouraged. I mean, consider Mary Magdalene, who was the apostle to the apostles. She was grief-stricken, but she encounters Jesus when he says, Mary, and she's transformed and she's filled with courage and confidence and she's given a purpose and a direction and she goes to her, the disciples to say, yes, he is alive. Jesus is alive. That song we sing from Hillsong, what a beautiful name, Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The sound of heaven roaring. Praise of your glory for your rise to life again. Roads. I'm not speaking of that island off the Turkish coast in the eastern Mediterranean. I'm talking about roads that define Sheffield living. So you have potholed roads. You have steep roads. You have sylvan roads, tree-lined roads, if you look hard enough. And you have closed roads today. And there are three roads that come to mind when we read um, the New Testament the first road I'm going to call the Samaritan road. That appears in Luke chapter 10. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Where on this journey, on this road, this individual encounters the compassion, the love, the kindness, the mercy of God. And then in Acts 9, we have a second road, which we'll call the Damascus road, where Paul, who had been setting, setting off from Jerusalem to Damascus to kill imprisoned Christians encounters the risen Jesus in this amazing supernatural encounter where his life is transformed and changed 
the Damascus Road. And then the third road is our road this morning, which is the Emmaus Road, where two discouraged and disheartened disciples who can't recognize Jesus are completely transformed and changed. And it is that one that we're going to look at ourselves today. If we read the whole of that chapter in 24, Luke 24, we see that there are three separate um, experiences, encounters with the risen Jesus. The, the chapter begins with, with the women meeting the risen Jesus, then we have our two disciples, and then it closes with the group of disciples. What is clear about this particular chapter is that none of these individuals were looking for the resurrection. None of them were even expecting the resurrection. But the resurrection in the form of the risen Jesus came to them. They came to them. And if you look at this, if we look at this one with these two individuals on this road to Emmaus, Luke gives us a sort of four-part structure. We have first the meeting where the two meet Jesus. It then becomes the conversation between the two and Jesus. It then moves on to a meal with the two and Jesus. And it ends with the two going back to Jerusalem to tell of their experience that they've actually met Jesus alive. And let's just look at the sort of stuff which was going on, the dynamics, the thoughts, the processes that was going on. Here are two individuals. You know, I'm glad those two individuals, in a sense, or one of them definitely, is not named. Because being unnamed means it's, it's all of us. We're told that one is clear past, but the other is unnamed. But there, there they are, they're disappointed, they are discouraged. There's curiosity over the reports of an empty tomb. And then Jesus comes alongside them, but they don't recognize him. They think that all hope is lost. There's misunderstanding, there's, there's sadness. Cleopas decides to give an account of the events. And he then goes on to even give his gospel, telling us what Jesus is all about, really. To which Jesus answers by saying, well, I'm going to give you my version of the events. And I'm going to give you my gospel. And whereupon he then opens up the whole of the Old Testament and says to these two, I, Jesus, is the fulfillment of all that's gone before in terms of the, new, in terms of the Old Testament. They come to a point where it's late and they need something to eat and so they stop for a place to eat, they have a meal and Jesus blesses the bread. And as we read that, we see, goodness, this is a real sort of language that is, that is sort of recalling the feeding of the 5,000. It's, it's recalling even the Last Supper, though of course it's not a reenactment of the Last Supper because there's no wine present here. But as he blesses the bread, suddenly, suddenly, the, the eyes are opened for these two individuals and they, they now begin to realize who they are with. And as soon as 
that happens as soon as their eyes are opened. He goes. He goes. With the revelation that he is alive, Jesus did not need to be no longer there with them physically. And then they begin to realize, wow, you know, our hearts were truly excited by what he was telling us, what he was showing us. This amazing Bible study, this tour through the Old Testament. And their hearts were on fire. They were, they were excited. They were burning. <coughs> and they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back and tell the remaining disciples, the body of disciples in Jerusalem. And they head off and they go back. But unfortunately, their report has been superseded by another report because the risen Jesus has appeared to Simon Peter. Isn't this amazing? This is so incredible. Again, unexpected. But again, a confirmation that Jesus is alive. Confirmation that he has overcome death. Jesus provided evidence for him being alive on the road to Emmaus, and he provides evidence to those who are in Jerusalem. This is just so incredible. Let's have our um, slide, please. And I wanted to just really focus on one verse here this morning. And it's, it's Luke 24, verse 15. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. That is so amazing. It is Jesus himself. It is the person of Jesus. It's not some warm, fuzzy feeling that love somehow has triumphed in the light of the cruelty of the cross. This is Jesus himself. This is Jesus himself. The resurrection will always be about Jesus himself. And Easter, of course, is a celebration. It's a celebration of an empty cross and an empty tomb. It's a celebration that proves that Jesus is who he says he is. That his death on the cross opened, opened the locked door of death. It's a proof that he is who he is because it authenticates his teaching that because he rose, he can be trusted. It's a plea for us to meet the risen Jesus because we can meet him with all our mistakes, with all our, our, our hurts, that we can be forgiven, that we can be healed, that we can be transformed, that we can be filled with joy. And it gives us purpose, alive to life. You see, life does have a meaning. It's not a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. It's to be found in the risen Jesus, alive. Jesus himself. Easter is a celebration of an empty cross, Jesus. Easter is a celebration of an empty tomb, Jesus. 
could this Easter time be a celebration of a new life, yours? Jesus himself came up, came up, the purpose of Jesus, a celebration of what he has done, that he revealed God to us, that he revealed God's love for us, that he revealed God's rescue plan for us. And it's Jesus speaking to these two on that Emmaus road that tells us two things. Jesus speaks. And these are not the words of a man who has had a ministry and done amazing teaching and healing for his years of ministry before his death and crucifixion and resurrection. These are the words of the risen Jesus. These are the words of power, of life. These are the sounds of life. And it is because they are what they are, because these are the spoken words of the risen Jesus, we can turn to them. And that our dead, discouraged, disheartened hearts can be brought to life. But also, when he opens up the scriptures to these two disciples, Jesus tells us that the scriptures speak. And that the witness of the Old Testament and the coming witness of the New Testament as the apostles and the disciples bring out and spread out the gospel in the known world, they're telling us that the witness of the old and the new are the living, they are living testimony to the living Jesus. Walked along with them. It's a celebration of his presence in our lives. It's about our eyes. Are our eyes open or closed? Do we I'm sure we do, but do we take the evidence of that empty tomb seriously? The evidence will always be compelling if we're prepared to look without prejudice. Minds, are our minds open or closed? Do we, do we, do we see what the Bible tells us, what the Bible teaches us about the death and resurrection of Jesus? Evidence will always be compelling if we're prepared to look, to think without prejudice. And likewise for our hearts, are they open or closed? Do we allow our thoughts and our feelings to block Jesus? To know him, we must open up our hearts and our lives. To Peter, on the beach in John 20 distraught um, devastated disgraced ashamed that he had denied Jesus Jesus' words are of hope forgiveness love restoration to Paul on the road to Damascus with murderous thoughts, destructive and disreputable. The risen Jesus' words are again of power, of forgiveness, of purpose, of an amazing calling. And to these two disciples on the Emmaus Road who are disheartened, 
discouraged, disillusioned. His words are of patience and persistence and they are transformed. Failure becomes fulfillment. Remorse is reversed in resurrection. Absence is presence. No longer walking that road of disappointment and disillusionment, but now walking a road of discovery. Jesus himself came up alongside them. Jesus himself walked with them. He was in the midst of those two. He was later to be in the midst of the twelve and the disciples back in Jerusalem. And being in the midst, he transformed a cowering, fearful group of people who went on to take the gospel to the known world and to change history forever. Jesus in the midst was the place of ministering peace to those disciples, strength and courage and confidence and wholeness. You know, it's this Easter time, more than anything, that I realize and recognize that Jesus in the midst is so, so important and essential to my life. We may forget what we hear. We may forget what we are taught. But we will never, ever forget a life-changing encounter with the risen Jesus. Jesus in our midst, transforming us from our fear and doubt into faith and determination. Jesus breaking us out from the containment of past experiences to the new things of tomorrow. I know only a Jesus who was once dead but is now alive. I know of no Jesus who was once alive but is now dead. The message of Easter is not some tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. It is Jesus himself. It is Jesus alongside us. It is Jesus in the midst of us. Peter, uh, in his first letter, in that amazing first first chapter of that first letter, speaks about a living hope. He's not writing about a hoping for hope as if it's some sort of fragile uncertain concept he's not writing against uh, not writing say hoping against hope which is a sort of yearning he's not even writing about hoping in hope which is an optimism he's writing about a living hope we are people of hope because Jesus is alive He's not a dead teacher to follow, but a living saviour to know, to love, to trust, and to follow. And let me just say a few final thoughts before I close. The risen Jesus appeared, appeared to individuals who were overwhelmed with emotion. Mary, with her grief, the disciples who were so afraid. Thomas, who was just so full of doubt 
Peter, who was so full of a shame and, and guilt, and, and these two disciples on this road who were so disheartened. But just look at them as they have been transformed by their encounter with the risen Jesus. Mary is a completely new person from grief to confidence, from grief to a place of, of mission, of, of, of going, of direction to the disciples that, yes, Jesus is alive. We read, uh, in, um, we read in the example uh, with the disciples that they were now full of gladness when Jesus appeared. Their hearts were now glad. Thomas, of course, moves from doubt to faith. Peter, forgiven and restored. And these two disciples, we're told, their hearts are on fire and they're full of joy. Whatever road you and I are on, Jesus will meet us there. What road are you on this morning? Discouraged? Disheartened? Where are you, God? Why don't you hear me? Why don't I see answers to my prayers? Are you grieving over the loss of somebody or over something? Are you living with shame and guilt from past mistakes and hurts? Or are you trying to find God, to have your eyes and your hearts open to his love for you, to know his words of life to you, and to have his life living in you. I want to invite you to come forward to meet with the risen Jesus today. Don't let today pass by without that incredible life-changing, life-encouraging, life-transforming encounter of hearing his words of love his words of life, his words of affirmation, his words of encouragement to you personally. Don't leave here this morning without encountering this risen Jesus and to know, to know that you can be free. That you can hope, have hope for the future. That you can make sense of the present. Don't leave here this morning without knowing Jesus in the midst of your life. I invite you to come forward, to, to meet with him, to have that encounter with him. He will meet you on whatever road you're on. He will transform you. He will encourage you. He will forgive you. He will restore you. He will fill you with his presence. You will know him you will know the Father's love for you. Let's stand. So Father, we just ask you now that you, in the name of Jesus, would just pour out your Spirit
and that you'll speak to us afresh. We thank you and, and praise you and adore you that you are, your son Jesus is alive and that we can know him. And Father, we recognize that there are roads and things that we're on, things that we struggle with, and we need to hear that word afresh today, that transforming meeting, that transforming power, that transforming love, to know that you are here and that you can meet with us on that road and you can take us forward, fill us with joy, fill us with hope, fill us with life. <coughs> if um, Josh and you can just play some music and we can sing some songs, I just want to encourage you just to respond in your own time to come forward and to meet with the risen Jesus because he will meet with you. Thank you, God, that we know a Jesus who was once dead but is now alive. We know 